Hello, listeners, and welcome to the 34th episode of the Always Drive podcast, your weekly look at the latest news from the car, truck, and motorcycle industries where we take everything but ourselves seriously. I'm your host, Devlin Riggs, and it feels like I was just here doing this, even though it's been a full week since our last episode. It's hard to believe that that we're almost in October, and, and finally across the Midwest, it's starting to feel like that. Uh, which is a welcome reprieve from the 90s that we've been having throughout most of September. Uh, driving around uh, to a few of my off-site meetings today with my windows down, I was reminded just how much more power my car makes uh, with the air conditioning turned off. Uh, but, I mean, make no mistake, with, with 150 horsepower, it's not that much more. But it's still enough uh, that you feel it merging into traffic or, or when you're flying up hills. Uh, This week, I'm also not going to stay up until almost 3 a.m. recording and editing this episode, winding up for uh, a couple days with no voice. Uh, So episode 34 will be like we turned off the AC uh, after episode 33. Uh, That's not to say it'll be less cool. It'll just have a little more power. So here are your top stories. This week, like many others before it, was very tough on Uber. Uh, First this week, we learned that the entire company was being banned from operating in London due to the company's lax background check procedures and failure to disclose some apparently serious crimes. Uh, The company has 21 days to appeal and acknowledges that they uh, they have to change in order for uh, Transport of London to grant them access to the city again, but it It may be a really long road for Uber here. Um, Add to that the fact that Lyft has apparently been meeting with Transport of London, the same organization responsible for kicking out Uber, in an apparent run-up to launching their own ride-sharing services in the city, and and it looks like Uber's competition was about to ramp up anyway. Uh, Then it was announced that Uber is going to completely pull out of the Canadian province of Quebec in October to avoid new regulations that would have made life really tough on the company. This affects about 50 office workers in Uber's corporate offices in Montreal uh, and about 10,000 drivers, uh, uh, and not to mention all the passengers in Canada's uh, second most populous province, Uh, The new regulations would have apparently required 35 hours of training for drivers, uh, which is the same required of licensed taxi operators, and it would put everyone on an even playing field. Uh, Uber is asking the province to reconsider the regulations because, (laughs) I mean, apparently an even playing field is just too fair and too inconvenient for the company, who feels like zero hours of training is sufficient. Uh, Finally, Ford announced this week that it was partnering with Uber's chief competitor, Lyft, to roll out a large number of autonomous vehicles by 2021. Uh, While the the first cars in the fleet aren't going to carry passengers, uh, which is sort of the point of Lyft, I thought, um, that's Ford's ultimate goal is for them to carry passengers, and and the partnership is uh, going to develop the technology that will make it happen on a, on a large scale. Uh, while this is great news for Ford, who has been 
really falling behind other automakers when it comes to innovation in ride hailing and car sharing. I mean, even GM already had a partnership with Lyft. Uh, it's another big blow to Uber, who miss out on the chance to not only make a ton of money from this partnership, but also become the go-to service for a major auto manufacturer. Uh, to his credit, Uber's new CEO, Dara Khosrowshahi, has been pretty level-headed about all of these new challenges, uh, and he says he's committed to finding resolutions that work for both drivers and passengers. Um, whereas uh, the old CEO, Travis Kalanick, uh, who founded Uber, might have reacted, you know, let's say, somewhat differently and uh, perhaps unhelpfully. Uh, at least Khosrow Shahi has the correct mindset to succeed with Uber. The only question is, for him, is it too late to be successful? It was revealed last week that Mitsubishi is planning to show off a new Evolution model at the Tokyo Auto Salon next month, which got the attention of virtually all automotive enthusiasts, uh, myself included. Uh, for the uninitiated, the Mitsubishi Evolution was a turbocharged, all-wheel drive version of the otherwise boring Lancer sedan uh, that was legendary for its rallying heritage and competed with the Subaru WRX STI for everyone's favorite budget sports car, but with four doors and a usable trunk. Uh, unfortunately for enthusiasts, uh, the evolution we see next month uh, probably isn't going to be either what we were expecting or hoping for. Uh, you may not know this, but whenever companies want to release a product, uh, they do extensive market research and even host focus groups that will provide feedback on product traits, including names and designs, and uh, lucky, luckily for us, I actually was able to procure some audio from one of the consumer interviews that uh, Mitsubishi conducted at uh, their corporate headquarters, uh, their U.S. corporate headquarters in New York. So I'll go ahead and play that for you here. Uh, hey, pal. Uh, thank you for taking part in our private uh, market research regarding the new Mitsubishi vehicles. You can go ahead and have a seat over there. All right. Thanks. I'm, uh, I'm really happy to be uh Anyway, let's uh, get started. Uh, so what's your overall opinion of the Mitsubishi brand? Uh? Well, I mean, I've never owned a Mitsubishi, but I, I've always sort of had a a real soft spot for it because they've made some great cars like the 3000 GT VR4 and, and the Eclipse GTS. Whoa, and whoa, whoa. No mention of the Galant? No love for the Outlander? And what about the frickin' Diamante? I, I, mean, I mean, I guess they're fine. I just, they aren't really, you know, my type of thing, I guess. Oh, so I guess you're one of these enthusiast types, huh? Yeah, I, I guess so. I, I mean, I've always... This is the page for Tony. Tony, can you please grab Frankie and Johnny? We got another enthusiast type in here. Can you hold on just a second there, pal? I have a few uh, uh, colleagues who may be interested in your uh, unique perspective here. Yeah, well, here we got another enthusiast types in our midday there, Jimmy. Yeah, this guy didn't even mention the Diamante. No Diamante? What kind of monster neglects the mother of all great long wheelbase Japanese sedans? 
I I mean I I didn't really mean any like disrespect or you know it, it's fine kid let's move on and talk about some upcoming models if I were to mention to you the name Eclipse what would be the first thing that would come to mind well I I'd, I'd say small two door front wheel drive sport compact car <laughs> well that's where you'd be wrong you little punk just so we're clear you wouldn't think about a crossover at all sort of like a small Outlander. Uh, no, that that doesn't sound anything like a Ow! What the hell? Does that sound a little more like it a crossover now, kid? God, jeez, not real. What about now, you diamante ignoring little shit? Uh, God, okay, fine, whatever. I, I mean, it's it sucks the eclipse was such a cool coup. It'll be cool as a crossover too, and you'll believe it, and you'll tell all your friends, and that's what's good for you. Yeah, okay, fine. Jesus. Sorry about that, kid. The boys here they just get a little carried away when people get a little uh, nostalgic, you see. Anyway, uh, what if I told you the next Mitsubishi Evolution was gonna be all electric? Oh, man, I mean, the, the Evo was one of the coolest rally cars, I mean, in history, and I guess if you're gonna be in electric, that's cool, too. I mean, I used to... Son of a bitch! Sit down my ass, kid! Think again! What? Uh, the next evolution is also gonna be a crossover. <laughs> Are you serious? Do we not look serious to you, kid? I'm as serious as Frankie's case of the clap, punk! You knew that was told to you in confidence. Uh, crossover Evo is like the clap. You know what, hey kid, it's gonna be great, and everyone's gonna want one! Yeah, everybody loves crossovers and electric cars, and we're giving them both at the same time. Yeah, but you're like disgracing a name that's synonymous with high-performance sedans and a rallying heritage, and you're throwing it all away for the sake of a fad! That's some interesting insight there, kid. Let me write that down in my notes. Just kidding. Get him, boys. Erase the memory of the old Mitsubishi evolution. <laughs> Next month, <clears throat> Next month, Sotheby's Auction House will be offering up a historic race car to the highest bidder. While not many things from the year 2001 can be considered historic just yet, this is Michael Schumacher's championship-winning Formula One racer, which helped him capture his fourth world championship and Ferrari's 11th constructor's title. This car is so incredibly dominant that it finished on the podium in every single race in which it ever competed, which is something few if any other race cars can claim. So get your wallets ready, and I hope you've been saving for the past 30 years or so, because this is expected to set new records and sell above the $4 million mark, which, honestly, probably isn't too bad for something that's going to only appreciate in value. Speaking of really fast cars, Porsche's new GT2 RS set a new lap time for a production car at the Nürburgring Nordschleife, completing the course in 6 minutes and 47.3 seconds, a whopping 5 seconds faster than the previous record holder, the Lamborghini Huracan Performante. This, however, is of basically no use to anyone except the 20 or so people thrilled with Donald Trump's new tax plan and are planning how to spend their extra income. 
Here in St. Louis, we have a lot of bridges, and I was excited to learn that among other priorities he set forth, Donald Trump included in his budget a considerable investment in infrastructure, which would both help fix our roads and bridges and employ thousands of tradespeople. Uh, What was really impressive was that the money for this infrastructure investment was intended to come from public-private partnerships, meaning our taxes wouldn't be hiked while our roads improved. Like so many things, though, it seemed too good to be true, and lo, it was. Turns out, companies really want to make money, and they aren't just going to do and repair roads and hire workers out of the goodness of their own hearts. So, since the art of the deal couldn't be swung with the private sector, it looks like it will actually be our taxes that go to pay for this infrastructure. Really, the best-case scenario under Trump's plan was that we'd end up with a bunch of new toll roads anyway to help pay the companies who invested in the upgrades in the first place. The worst-case scenario, which could still happen, is that it was just a bunch of bullshit that won't actually occur and we still end up with our messed-up crappy roads. One of the only nationwide car dealerships I can think of, CarMax, has been pretty popular with buyers because of their no-haggle policy and their attractive warranty that covers pretty much everything and can be purchased for notoriously unreliable cars. This week, though, it was revealed that more than a quarter of CarMax's inventory may be subject to open recalls and that the recall repairs are not being made before the vehicles are sold. CarMax says that they're very upfront about this to buyers, but selling a car with a Takata airbag inflator that could kill them still seems like a pretty dangerous thing to do. CarMax also complained about the unprecedented number of recalls for cars, saying someone really should be doing something about that. Well, yeah, CarMax, you should be. You should be getting your cars fixed. You're basically doing the equivalent of being handed a candy bar with a razor blade in it and then handing it to someone else and saying, hey, here's a candy bar, but there's a razor blade in it. Just remove the damn razor blade already. Uh, In a delightful bit of civil rights this week, Saudi Arabia announced that it will finally allow women to drive and not just in bumper cars at carnivals. Previously, Saudi women had to either hire a driver or get a male relative to take them places, including work which proved not only ridiculously expensive, it drastically limited the income potential of families. Overnight, though, there could be millions more drivers on the road, which will probably be an administrative nightmare for the Saudi DMV, not to mention insurance companies. While sure, this is a step forward, uh, due probably a hundred or so years ago, Saudi women still can't marry, open a bank account, or get a passport or national ID without permission from their husband or legal guardian, and they still can't appear in public without a full-length black gown or mingle with members of the opposite sex who aren't their husband. Hooray progress! Meanwhile, back here at home, California Governor Jerry Brown is wondering why China can announce a ban on the sale of internal combustion-powered cars by 2040 when his own state hasn't done anything on the subject. Uh, This, of course, means that California is now looking at when and how they would ban gasoline and diesel cars, while the rest of the country looks to potentially roll back fuel standards, allowing even greater pollution than we have currently. California has a history of sort of dancing to their own beat when it comes to emissions, and other states have followed their lead, like some sort of Pied Piper of public health and safety. So we'll see if something similar ends up happening here. But one thing's for sure, though. When China looks more progressive than California, things have either gone pretty wrong or really, really right. 
Last week, I mentioned that Toyota has come out with several Gazoo racing versions of existing cars that will go on sale in Japan and offer no increased performance. Well, some of those trim levels will come to America under the already established TRD label, which, no, is not pronounced turd. It stands for Toyota Racing Development, which has been around a very long time, offering superchargers and exhausts and various other actual power adders to Toyota's cars. Company execs also mentioned that another true sports car was coming out, and not just the Supra, which could mean we'll be seeing another MR2 or Celica hit our shores, which can only mean that my casual teasing and last week's new car blitz really touched a nerve at Toyota. Speaking of labels, uh, BMW has announced that high-end trim levels of future vehicles will come with a special black-and-white BMW logo to signify their specialness. Clearly, BMW does not see all of the standard 3 Series roaming around the roads where I drive with M badges on them, despite them not actually being M cars. I can't wait till I see a 1997 BMW 318 IS with a black and white badge on it that the owner purchased off eBay because it thinks it makes its four-cylinder hatchback look more premium. Way to go, BMW. Uh, one of the most radical changes implemented by the Tesla Model 3 is the use of one large central screen for every single control and readout, including vehicle speed and charge level. Um, well, that screen is required for a few other things, too, including apparently wiper speed and, of course, music. But not all music, though, as Model 3s currently cannot play FM radio, will never play AM radio, and do not allow for Bluetooth streaming from your phone. Instead, they require you to connect through the car's 4G connection to stream directly to the apps installed in the vehicle. They say an over-the-air update will be coming soon that unlocks FM radio and Bluetooth, but short of changing around the stocks behind the steering wheel, I don't think you'll be able to change the wiper speed without navigating through the menus on the screen, which seems like a pretty bad idea while driving, especially in a rainstorm. Uh, after reinventing windshield wipers, Tesla may be looking to reinvent the convenience store. Uh, many of their superchargers exist currently between cities, and owners are spending anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour while their car charges before they can continue on their journeys. So the brand is looking at different opportunities for providing consumers with something to do. Uh, while they say they have no interest in running restaurants, Tesla says they are having they have a few partnerships that they're working on expanding, which could include convenience stores or cafes. Since Tesla fancies themselves a premium brand, though, I don't think owners should look forward to getting their Dunkin' Donuts fix at supercharger stations anytime soon. Just in time to give Tesla something else to worry about, Dyson has announced that they are developing electric vehicles that will use solid-state batteries just like Toyota. We have virtually no information other than that the vehicle is slated to debut in 2020 and will spawn a couple different models built on the same modular vehicle architecture. We also know that Dyson vehicles won't compete with the Chevy Bolts or Model 3s of the world, but are aimed at a more high-end consumer. When reached for comments, Sir James Dyson indicated that he was confident that this would be the first Dyson product that neither sucked nor blew, at least intentionally. While Dyson works on something nobody asked for, another company is working on something companies desperately need and have announced that they have developed the world's largest electric vehicle. It's the Komatsu E-Dumper, a retrofitted version of those massive dump trucks you've seen in the movies that have tires taller than most human beings and are sometimes used to crush cars in action scenes. 
Uh, it's going to use 4.5 tons of batteries that will allow it to make 20 trips from the top to the bottom of quarries or cement production facilities every day. To do this, it relies heavily on regenerative braking to get back a ton of what power was lost going uphill. Sorry to those brodozer owners who plan to load the unused beds of their lifted pickups to create the world's largest EV. You have been thoroughly beaten to the punch. When Jeremy, Richard, and James made their ignominious leave from Top Gear and announced their new show would be the Grand Tour, wherein they actually toured the world and continued their automotive antics, it seemed strange but fun and like it would give people the world over the opportunity to interact with the host when the show popped up near their homes instead of having to travel to rural England for the same opportunity. Now, though, the Grand Tour will no longer tour, requiring guests to travel to rural England to view the show. Uh, which will still be in a tent rather than a studio. Amazon, who run the show, claim that the single location was due to the presenter's sore joints, but it's hard to imagine that they're not saving a ton of money by not shipping an entire studio around the world anymore. Segments of the show, though, will still take place in different spots around the world, much like Top Gear, and if saving money means we continue to get high-quality automotive programming, eh, I'm all for it. Speaking of automotive programming, Jalopnik is launching a TV show aimed at norms like you and I. It's called Car vs. America, and basically amounts to two of their editors going on a road trip around the country, getting their hands on a bunch of unique vehicles, and having adventures with them. Which sounds like a lot of low-budget fun. It'll air on Fusion starting October 18th at 8 and will be streaming online thereafter. For those of us who don't have cable, we'll have to wait till the whole season hits uh, the various streaming services, but a word is that will happen after the first season is completed. Uh, my ultimate goal for Always Drive is to morph it into some sort of media empire with podcasts and blogs and videos and... That's kind of hard with a full-time job, so it's good to see that others are out there doing the same thing, and I am totally, 100%, not at all jealous of them or filled with hatred that they have beaten me to the punch or that their budgets are bigger or timelines more permissive of such adventures. Not 1% at all. Sometimes it's easy to get confused, especially when you're a donkey. Uh, unfortunately for Vitas, a donkey and geese in Germany, his confusion led to him gnawing on a man's McLaren spider that was parked next to his enclosure. Vitas has a pretty sharp teeth, apparently, which caused almost $7,000 in damage to the McLaren, which a German court has just commanded Vitas's owners to pay. Uh, they argued that the McLaren could have parked somewhere else, but I'd argue that most people don't park their car, get out, and think... Is a donkey going to come up and bite my shit here? Now here are some new cards. Brand new, brand new, brand new. I don't like it unless brand new. you might see me in my whip with my I mentioned a few weeks ago that Audi's absence from the World Endurance Championship was due to their anticipated joining the Formula E racing series, and they've made a couple big moves this week. Uh, first, they announced their new race car called the e-tron FE04, which is based on a chassis that all the teams used, uh, but powered by Audi's electric motors and paired with a single-speed transmission, meaning no shifting ever. Uh, Audi also announced that the newly appointed principal of the team would be Alan McNish, a Scottish gentleman whose name may sound familiar because he has won Le Mans three times and is famous for his driving in Audi's R18 endurance car. Uh, difference is that car was diesel, which Audi and VW eh, don't like to talk about it much these days. 
so I'm sure there will be a learning curve for McNish, but if there's one thing he's good at, it's probably handling curves. Uh, in case you were bemoaning the fact that you didn't have any uh, fancy pickup trucks to cross-shop with the Porsche 911s and Jaguar F-Types of the world, I have great news. Uh, Ford this week unveiled its newest F450 Super Duty, a massive truck with four large doors and four big tires on the rear axle alone. Uh, so how would you, or, or why would you be cross-shopping this with the 911 and the Jag? Well, because when properly equipped, uh, this 450 will top out around $100,000, which is a shit ton of money to spend on a work truck. Uh, the thing is, Ford wouldn't make this thing unless they knew that there was a market for it. And in fact, more than 50% of Super Duty's sales this year have been on the high-end models like the, the Lariat, King Ranch, and, and Platinum trims. Uh, workers who need trucks for work don't necessarily want to feel like they're in a work pickup truck every day. So it just makes sense that these fancy trucks are flying out of dealerships. Just make sure you don't put your muddy boots on their seats. Uh, Aston Martin's Project Neptune was unveiled this week, and it looks like the closest thing we'll ever get to uh, James Bond's submersible Lotus. And uh, that's actually because it's actually a submarine uh, designed by Triton Submarines in partnership with Aston Martin Consulting. And by the closest thing we'll ever get, I really mean the closest thing the ultra-rich will probably ever get, because this is apparently designed to, quote, enhance the super-yacht ownership experience, end quote, and expose a new generation of yacht owners to the deep ocean. Uh, it's pretty cool looking, though, which is good for most of us, because that's all we'll ever do is look at it. Uh, just as Adam's Aston Martin is doing something different, so is Land Rover, who are reportedly working on developing a car. In case you don't know or didn't remember, Land Rover is owned by Indian company Tata, along with Jaguar, who make several very nice cars themselves already. Uh, as Jaguar moves into foreign territory with crossovers, Land Rover is doing the opposite with cars, uh, apparently developing an all-electric Mercedes-Benz S-Class rival. Uh, conveniently, Jaguar already has one of those in the XJ, so the Road Rover, which is apparently what they're calling as a dumb name, is being developed alongside the next generation XJ. Uh, there have been some renders floated around of what it might look like, and, I, well, it, it looks like a Range Rover got chopped and squished, which sort of works, I guess. Uh, I mean, after Porsche made the Cayenne, I, I think every manufacturer started questioning their traditions and and why those traditions existed, and if violating those traditions made any financial sense. Plus, it's not like many Land Rovers actually rove the land anymore these days anyway, but I suppose calling this car the luxury outlet mall parking lot Rover was too long to put on a trunk. Porsche uh, also unveiled a new model this week, the Panamera Turbo S E-Hybrid Sport Turismo. Uh, long name, it's a long car. Uh, remember, the Sport Turismo is the wagon version of the Panamera, which should have been a wagon all along. Uh, this SE hybrid marries a twin-turbo V8 to a 14.1-kilowatt lithium-ion battery uh, and electric motors that make a combined 680 horsepower, shooting the wagon to 62 miles an hour in just 3.4 seconds while still achieving almost 80 miles per gallon. 
Uh, it looks tremendous in my opinion, and it, it really should for $188,000. Uh, the good news is I have formal approval from my wife to buy one once they hit the used market. So thanks, honey. Uh, in obituaries this week, uh, Infinity killed off the QX50 shortly after killing off the QX70, uh, which was one of the only crossovers I actually kind of liked. Uh, Infinity killed off the QX50, the smaller version of that crossover that still rides on the G35's front midship platform. Uh, but this is being killed off at least for 2018. Uh, they haven't said anything about the 70, but the 50 will definitely be relaunched probably in 2019 uh, with one of the new adjustable stroke miracle engines that gets great gas mileage and produces great power. I'm not sure which platform it'll be on, but it'll probably be the Rogue, which means it will lose the great handling of the FM chassis, which is a damn shame. They're also killing off the QX60 Hybrid, and uh, you can go ahead and uh, put your hands up if you are sad about that. Uh, yeah, no hands? I, I thought so. Finally this week, it's uh, started to look and feel like fall here, and since my birthday is in fall, it's the same season when I started driving for the first time on my own, so... I, I have very many fond memories of just going out for a drive and enjoying nothing but driving for a bit. Uh, for this week's call of action, I want to encourage everyone to try to relive an old experience that they really enjoyed and do it again for no other reason but that you enjoyed it. With all of the obligations of adulthood, it can be really challenging to carve out the time to do something for yourself especially when there's no point to it other than your own enjoyment of it. But sometimes we need to take these breaks and have that fun so that we can come back to our obligations, energized and with a sort of renewed sense of purpose. While living in the past is a surefire way to never find happiness in the present, I think there's a definite value in at least paying the past a visit every now and then to help remind yourself of, of what makes you you so take that trip and we'll see you back here again next week before we end up um with a mitsubishi evolution completely devoid of character and sound i want to remind you how epic the old evos were so here's an old clip of an uh, lancer evolution 6 tearing up a rally course here friends is your moment of zen <laughs> 